you in Boise, Idaho, and I've got it locked on the 50,000 gigawatt blowtorch of the internet that is Barbecue Central. Do it live. Okay. Do it live. I can. I'll write it, and we'll do it live. So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike the match, and. Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. Good evening and welcome to the Really Big Barbecue Central Show. This is the show that talks about all things important to the world of barbecue and grilling. The show originating from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame City, Bomb City, USA, Cleveland, Ohio, the barbecue capital of the North Coast. I'm your program host, Greg Rempe. Happy to have you aboard here on your Tuesday evening's live fire fun and frivolity show. If you want to jump in tonight and give us your thoughts and opinions on the live fire industry, here's how you do that. You can get in touch with the show by sending an email to Greg at the BBQ Central Show.com. Follow us on all the social media channels at BBQ Central Show. And be sure to subscribe to the show podcast feed on your favorite podcast platform. Anything else you want to find out about the show can be found at the main website, the BBQ Central Show.com. And here's what's happening in case you didn't get the newsletter. Coming up at about 12 minutes from now, it's the second Tuesday of a month, and in the first hour and in the first interview segment, we are joined by none other than the creator of AmazingRibs.com, Meathead. And since we are a few short weeks away from the biggest turkey day of them all, Thanksgiving, we will preempt the science with meathead segments that we've been doing for the last number of months and talk specifically about turkey, turkey science, injections and brines and osmosis and roasting and grilling and ovening, all that, because we're constantly getting new listeners, because people are constantly under the pressure of the biggest turkey day of the year. They don't want to mess it up. They're going to be hosting or they're bringing it, whatever the case may be. So we rerun this topic back out this time of year to make sure that you are in the best position for success and doing it with one of the all-time greats in the industry, somebody who has prepared turkeys in all of the different ways and is also not afraid to weigh in on which one he thinks is the best. Meathead from AmazingRibs.com. Then we'll move 35 past the hour and also in the first hour, but in the second interview segment, we are joined by the contributing barbecue editor to Southern Living Magazine, Robert Moss, RobertFBoss.com, his website. Robert was down in Lockhart, Texas this past weekend being a guest and perhaps media member of the Texas Monthly Barbecue Festival. That's a hotly popular well-attended event 
And coming off the heels of COVID, I'm sure it was as big as it's ever been, as popular as it ever been. And we will get Robert Moss take on that. Also, since we have him, we'll get his idea on what a Southern Thanksgiving looks like and what his favorite turkey might be. If he's got any special tricks up his sleeve to make sure that you have success. So we'll utilize him in a number of different fashions. And then we'll close out the first hour. Then we'll move to the second hour. And joining me 14 past the second hour, a first-timer to the show. And if you have a ceramic cooker and you're sick and tired of your traditional grill grate, you're going to want to listen to Andrew Barnhart from Flip Grill, as the name would suggest. This is something that is a aftermarket piece. He's making them. As far as supply and manufacturing, we're going to have to talk to him about that because it looks like he has A, had success, and then B, like everything else in the world, it's just not as easy to get replenished in a timely fashion. So we'll talk about the unit, Flip Grill. I'm sure you can use your imagination, take the old grill grates out, put the Flip Grill in, and you basically have a grill grid on one end, and then you put your meat on, and then you put another grill grid on top, lock it in place, and then you just use your hot mitt. You flip it, flip it, flip it. It's just that easy. I think Meadow Creek has something similar, but in a much bigger fashion on their chicken cookers, but similar in concept. And Andrew Barnhart will talk to us all about flip grill and how you might be able to get your hands on one if you have a ceramic cooker at this point. We'll also see how he plans on attacking the market going forward. And then closing out the show this evening, 35 past, the second hour is the co-founder of Vortic Watch Company, R.T. Custer, joins the show. Of course, I'm wearing my Vortic Watch, but tonight we're going to be talking about something very special to Vortic as a company. On Friday, Veterans Day, if you didn't know, they released their fourth iteration of the Vortic Watch military watch line. There are a very limited number of these. If you are a lover of American history, specifically the military portion of that, you're going to want to check this watch out. You're going to want to get on the waiting list. You're going to want to make sure you have the proper allotment of cash on hand because 50 will go very quick, and then there's an additional 15 special edition military, different color dial, different movement, incredible. I've seen these. We're going to be showing them, and uh, I'm telling you, you're going to be very excited, especially if you are into this thing. If you're a watch person like me, a, a budding enthusiast, somebody that's adding to a very small collection, this might be one you want to consider. So that's how the show's laying out for you here this evening. First hour, the regulars, Meathead and Robert Moss. Second hour, new Comer to the show, Andrew Barnhart from Flip Grill, and a second timer to the show, co-founder of Vortec Watch Company, R.T. Custer. So there you have it. Don't forget, you can follow me socially, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Snapchat, at BBQ Central Show. We say good evening to those of you watching this show through one of our video streaming platforms. You can go to Facebook and Twitch slash BBQ Central Show to watch. Also, you can take the show in via YouTube slash R.D. Rempe where there is a chat going on that may or may not have to do with anything that is relating to the show at that particular moment. Also, we'll take a second to say hello to all the folks using the audio streaming platform, Clubhouse as well. So if you'd rather hear us and not watch us, I certainly understand that. Clubhouse is the way to do it. 
And there also happens to be a chat within the clubhouse now as well, so you can chat along with the other folks in the clubhouse if you see fit. So let's start here tonight, and I want to thank my pal Malcolm Reed for sending me a How to Barbecue Right beanie, which is a hat, and more importantly than that, because I'm not much of a hat guy, a How to Barbecue Right jacket. I mean, look at this thing. A more lightweight than not, but got a nice collar, nice hood. And, of course, he sent it to me, and then immediately I was able to press it into service because it dipped down very quickly in temperature over the last number of days. Now, it has spiked up, but even in the morning, it's a little cooler, so I've been able to press it right into service. So the day after I get the jacket, it was a bit cool in the morning. I toss it on, went to a call I had to make down in Wooster, Ohio, by the way, home of certified Angus beef. That's not who I was calling on. It was truck stuff. And as I'm walking the mean streets of Worcester, Ohio, someone stopped me and said, hey, great jacket. I'm a big fan of Malcolm. I watch all the stuff. So I thank the man for the compliment. And then I went in for the ego boost. I said, hey, by the way, you know who I am? And without hesitation, he said, no, who are you? And I said, nobody, just nobody. And I went on my way, cursing that man all the way to my customer's location, which just goes to show you just because somebody knows Malcolm that does not bear any weight uh, that they know my show and that he comes on my show once a month or anything like that, throw it out the window. So going in for the easy ego boost and instead a swift kick to the balls instead. Some listener feedback before we get to Meathead. Mitch in Nebraska. Greg, yes, Sam and Greg go back to their usual nonsense segment. I loved it. Greg, your lack of motivation to travel outside of this country is troubling. Spread your wings, you puss. Keep up the great work. Regards, Mitch. Mitch, I don't have to if I don't want to. Todd in Idaho weighing in. Greg, I've never been compelled to write into the show before, but after hearing Sam the Cooking Guy take a dump all over Idaho, I'm compelled to do so. First of all, thank you for sticking up for us. I will tell you without a doubt our culinary abilities in the state are as good or better than Mississippi or Louisiana, and we're much more than just a potato state. Hey, Sam, you're from San Diego. Last time I checked, there is no culinary prowess coming out of that elitist town. Your baseball team sucks, too. How about you come here and visit first before you take a dump on us? Or why not go back to North Korea and stay there? That being said, Greg, do you think I am overstepping if I ask Sam for a free Nakiri knife? I understand he's doing that on his channel till the end of the year. Sam, how about it? Love the show. Regards, Todd. Todd, wow. That might be the best email of the year. Taking Sam to task. Somehow working it back to asking him for a free giveaway? Wow. Uh, By the way, I don't know if the San Diego Padres suck. And just to be clear, Sam didn't go to North Korea. He went to South Korea. From what I understand, and I am not a world traveler, big difference between North Korea and South Korea. But we thank you for taking the time to write into the show. Hey, What do we love about ceramic cookers? We love that they're fuel efficient. We love that you can achieve 
low and slow temperatures for traditional barbecue meats. We love that you can get rip-roaring hot for the high-temperature grilling of steaks and other than cuts. But what's missing in the everyday lineup of ceramic cookers? The real ability to do true two-zone cooking. Two-zone cooking is very important to both professional and backyard cooks alike. It's the best way to manage a fire and cook with confidence. However, getting a two-zone fire in a round ceramic cooker, not very realistic. Why? Because it's round. Enter Primo Grill and their game-changing oval design. The shape gives you the ability to execute a two-zone setup that you desire. It also gives you the other ceramic grill benefits as well. Nearly 60, 60, 60 different ways to cook and configure the Primo cooker so you're only limited by your culinary imagination. They have all of the accessories that you're looking for. And here's the bottom line. Best ceramics in the biz? Yes. Petna technology? Yes. True two-zone cooking capabilities and multiple sizes? Yes and yes. Visit primogrill.com to find a dealer near you or check them out on Facebook and Instagram. I know everybody's ready for a Primo, so get on over there right now. Primogrill.com. That's Primogrill.com. And we'll be back with Meathead from AmazingRibs.com right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Broadcasting live from the Barbecue Central Show studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. Welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by CookinPellets.com, your number one source for quality wood pellets for all your pellet-driven cookers. Visit CookinPellets.com. Com for more information or to purchase or to see what other items they are retailing on that website. You might be interested. Cookinpellets.com. The second Tuesday of the month, 14 past this hour, always finds a visit from the creator of the most heavily trafficked barbecue and grilling website on the face of the earth. And we know him only as one name. Meathead. Hey, Meathead. Share with everybody something that Tim McKeska, barbecue legend from Taylor, Texas. Was, I know Tim well. Yes. Yeah, so Great sausages. We had talked with uh, Tim a, a number of months ago, uh, and he started teasing the fact that there was going to be a turkey shortage of some sort here in yeah, the Americas. So I followed up with him, and he got back to me yesterday and said, here's what's happening. A few more large turkey farms had to destroy their herd in the late summer because of the avian flu. Mm-hmm. It was believed most of that was over with, but mandatory destruction of those birds was a big loss. As I said on your show at the time, the 20-pound large birds will be in very short supply since most of the producers sent those to deli processing. Two large retailers, Costco and Sam's, executed large contracts for 12-pound hens, also contracts for boneless turkey breasts. That's above and beyond the pressure all of the other grocery retailers across the U.S. Uh, are dealing with in the market. So in closing, believe that 12-pound hens should have availability in the next 12-plus days, but they may be short closer to Thanksgiving. The bad news is you're looking at a 25 to 35% increase in cost. Of course. The way of the world right now. So Everything else is up. We've been Greg, long-time prosper. It's not, yes. It's not a herd. It's a flock. A flock of a flock of geese, a flock of turkeys. turkeys. 
Yeah. Is it a yeah, flock you know, of all you know poultry? Bunch, you, know, you know what they call a uh, a, a bunch of um, uh, sparrows? I think they're called a murmuration. Do you know what and, a um, bunch of geese are called? Um, a gaggle. A gaggle. That's right. That's funny. And um, and crows are called a murder of crows. Murder. A murder of crows. Wow. I like that yeah. the best. I think I thought I liked gaggle yeah. the best, but evidently murder is yeah uh, surpassed. Hey, gaggle. I gotta talk. I got. I gotta. I gotta jump in before we get into um, uh, the do's and don'ts of cooking turkey. Yep. Um, your flip grill guy. Yes, Adam. This is a concept that Andrew. goes back to Hawaii for the huli huli. Really, huli huli is similar to what you were talking about with um, Meadow Creek, but it's a way of flipping the birds all at once <laughs> and. Uh, Huli huli turkey, huli huli chicken, is a delicacy in Hawaii, and I have the recipe on on my site. Are you, but uh, huli means flip or turn. Are you familiar with um, the flip grill? No, I've oh. never heard of it. I'm going to look them up as soon as we're done, and I'm going to listen in. Well, the uh, website is flipgrill.shop, so don't try okay. .com because it's not there. It's .shop, which is a little awkward. Okay. But I mean, obviously, flipgrill.com wasn't uh, available, and he went with .shop. And uh, yeah, stay tuned. In an hour's time, you'll be listening to me uh, talk to Andrew Barnhart from Flip Grill. All right, so and and you were talking about the fame of Malcolm yeah. versus your ignominy. <laughs> I got a feeling both of you are going in the Hall of Fame this year. If I have anything <laughs> oh, yeah? to do with it, no. If I have anything to do with it, you're both going in. Well, I I'm going to speak for Malcolm and say we thank you both of us. Thank you for that. Uh, oh, yeah. I believe both of us will not be in there. Uh, this coming. Oh, I think you're, well, there, it, it's, it would be hard to find more deserving than both of you. Well, thank you. And also, this whole business about you and travel. I remember when you wouldn't eat lamb. Yeah. I remember when you when you when you hated sous vide. You've 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 experienced them, and you've come around. One of these days, go to Paris. Oh, I'll go never to go to France. I have a personal vendetta against France oh, ever God. since the eighties. Well, there, there are just uh, Tokyo. Um, oh boy! Now you sound like saying the cooking guy. Me, I'm stopping you here because we're way. As you had said last month, we're pissing away time. And all right, one more thing. One more thing. I got. I, I got. I got to put in a plug for one of your pr advertisers, Primo. I love yes. the oval shape of the Primo. It's my favorite um, Kamado. Do you agree? Two zone cooking is. Oh, yeah. Achievable then? It's essential. It's essential. And you can do it Two on the you can do it on the oval a primo? Yeah. Cooking yeah. is all about temperature control and two zone cooking is temperature control. You can do it on a round Kamado, but it's really tricky. You gotta put in a metal I mean a, a ceramic plate and yeah. a whole bunch of gymnastics. But we were gonna talk turkey. And since I've blown away a big chunk of my time. Um, I, I wanted to go down a, a little bit of a checklist of do's and don'ts for turkey. Can I ask okay, you one you? question before the checklist? It has to do with turkey. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I had the guys from Turbo Trusser on. Stellar two segments, if I say so myself. But other than keeping the bird more uniform and, uh, let's say, tight in shape, does it make the bird juicier or cook faster as they promote on the Shark Tank appearance? Well, frankly, I'm not a fan of trussing the bird. In fact, that's one of my check marks. Oh. Um, if you if you if you t think about this now, you've got the bird. Now, technically, your breast meat is n should not be as 
uh, as hot as your thighs and legs. Your right. thighs and legs like to go up to 170 or so in that range. Your breast meat, 160. Um, also, you want crispy skin. If you take those legs and pull them into the body and tie them up, the crotch, which is where the thighs attach to the main body, just like on you, yep. the crotch area, the skin won't brown. It's going to stay tan and soggy. And you're blocking heat from getting to that side of the leg. If you let your freak flag fly, if you let the legs float out, then warm air can circulate around the thighs, brown the skin, and warm the thighs so they're hotter than the rest of the bird. Mm. So I'm, a, and I feel the same way about chicken. Don't trust it. All right. So let's talk about turkeys. You have the checklist. We can cross off the trussing part, evidently, and <laughs> go ahead and start running down the, the checklist, and then I'll figure out how I'm going to edit my outline as well. Well, first of all, don't take risks on Thanksgiving dinner. If you're cooking the turkey and you've never done one before, or you're doing it differently than you normally do, like you've normally cooked it in the oven, but this time you're doing it on the grill or the smoker, start now. Practice now. Get ahead of the game. Don't embarrass yourself. Don't don't risk it. Screw up. Um, uh, you know the old routine. How do you get to Carnegie Hall? Practice, practice, practice. So do a bird now. There's no reason why you can't. Um, don't go crazy with uh, uh, really crazy injections. I've heard people talking about injecting it with Dr. Pepper and all kinds of spices and herbs. Um, if you're going to inject with anything, try butter. Do a butter ball. And the way to do that is not when the bird is cold. Get the bird in the, in the grill of the smoker. Let it start to warm up a little so that when you eject it, the butter doesn't um, solidify. Um, and you can get butter into the breast and legs nice and easily, and uh, that really is nice. Um, don't trust the pop-up thermometer. Um, it's designed to go off at around 180, and that's way overcooked. It's 180? Um, 170 to 180 oh. in that range. Well, they're, they're trying to prevent liability. You know, they all tell you to cook your turkey to 165. Um, that's that, that, that 160 maximum. If you take it to only 155, a lot of people will object to the texture. It'll feel a little slippery. But remember, you're cooking beef to 130, 135, pork to 135, 140. Um, 160 is overdone. Now, USDA says 165. I say take it to 155 to 160, pull it off. It'll carry over to 160 and it'll still have a little juiciness to it. You take it to 165, 170, or whatever that pop-up says, you're going to have cardboard, not a good juicy turkey. Let's play. Number, uh, go ahead. Yeah, you go. No, go ahead. Check. You have to check. Let's go. Um, don't put anything in the cavity. Um, let warm air get in there. Um, if warm air gets in there, it'll cook it from both the outside and the inside. It'll cook faster, and you'll lose less moisture. Um, if you put the stuffing in there, you've got to get the temperature up to a safe temp, 160 or so, in the center of the stuffing. You've created a bowling ball. If you take that stuffing out, and what I love to do is I put the stuffing in a, um, a, a muffin pan, and I make stuffings or muffings. Um, 
and I mix a little egg in there so it firms it up a little, and everybody gets a little stuffing muffin. Hmm. And everybody gets a lot of nice crust that way. Everybody loves the crust. That's the best part of the stuffing. And I got to tell you, if you put me midway between turkey and stuffing, I don't know which one I would go to first. Hmm. I'd probably die of starvation. I might, I might go to the stuffing. So take the stuffing out, let the warm air in the center, or take it to the next level and spatchcock the bird, which is just another word for butterflying it. Cut the backbone out, spread it out, and now you can brown the interior. And remember, browning is flavor. If you open it up, you can get enough heat to the interior, or if it's actually no longer the interior, it's laying out flat. It'll brown, you've got more flavor, and you've made the meat thinner, so it'll cook faster and you have less moisture loss. Or go one more step further, and this is what I do now, <laughs> break it down. Whenever you cook a whole animal, you're making sacrifices. Break it down, cook the thighs separately from the breasts, and huh? you can now use your instant read thermometer and get them off at exactly the right temperature. Um, it's not traditional. It doesn't look like a Norman Rockwell painting, but you're going to get a better tasting bird if you break it down into leg section, breast section, <laughs> and um, uh, everybody will be nice and brown and flavorful. Um, and then don't use too high a temperature. There's a lot of recipes out there that say start it at 500 or start it at a low temp and end at 500. 325 is a good number. At 325, you can render fat, you can brown the skin, but remember, and, and it holds true for not just barbecue, all manner of meats, lower the temperature, the more tender and the more juicy you're going to end up with. You don't want to cook a turkey at 500. It's going to just squeeze the proteins, squeeze out the juices, and you're going to end up with a dry bird. And then last, last tip, and then we can riff. Um, don't baste. Um, if you've got all this juice in the bottom of the pan and you're squirting it all over the skin, you're making the skin soggy. And we want crispy skin. We want um, a dry skin. We want it like a drumhead. So you don't need to baste. It's not getting through the skin into the meat. It's not adding any moisture. The only thing basting does is it cools the meat and that slows the cooking. And if you slow the cooking, then it, 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 it is helping a little with tenderness, but it's messing up the skin. So don't baste. So you have a whole bird. You're talking a lot about skin, no basting, because it's going to make it soft. You're not going to have the crispy skin that you want. What about this? You've just brought up a new method that I've never heard you talk about in the 15 years that I've known you, butchering <laughs> down a uncooked bird and then cooking it separate pieces. I've never heard you say that before until 2022, so new things. What about taking the skin off, fully off the bird, and then figuring out cooking the bird then, skinless, getting the rub on it? Uh, I would assume that's going to actually make it a tastier bird, at least on the outside, mm -hmm. because the rub's there. It's not on the skin, mm -hmm. because people who don't like the skin aren't going to eat it anyway, what have you. And then figuring out a way to make some kind of turkey skin chip or yes. delicacy yes. or something along these lines. You're vibrating on the same wavelength. It's brilliant. and It's a really good technique. I do this often. I do. I have a recipe for my new book I'm doing called Duckapalooza, which is the same thing. Duck skin is marvelous, and it can get really good and crunchy. Also, I'm doing um, a burgoo recipe, 
where I pull the skin off the chicken and throw it in the bottom of the uh, cast iron pot, crisp it. You can actually get crunchy, crispy, um, like potato chips, chicken and turkey skin. And then you can sprinkle it on top of uh, a salad or, you know, if you're doing a chicken salad or on top of the meat. And if you take the skin off, you can get your herbs right on the flesh. You just got to be careful that you don't overcook. I think it's an excellent technique and it's a lot of fun and I highly recommend it. What's the safest way to quick thaw a turkey for the folks that are going to buy it, forget it, and then they're chasing it out of the freezer with days to spare? Well, you don't want to do that if you don't have to, but you can actually cook a frozen bird. I mean, you know, think about it. Uh, just keep the temperature low and it will thaw as it cooks and it'll go right through the danger zone up into the safe zone and it will become pasteurized. So you can actually take a frozen bird and uh, it, you know get all the stuff out of the cavity and everything and 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 um, you can uh, you, you you can actually cook a frozen bird. Uh, you hit a pinch if you want to thaw it, you can put it in hot water. You're really taking a risk. There's research that USDA has done on this that says it's okay, but it's not really uh, a great idea. Uh, try not to do it. You know, there's one other tip I missed here, and that I, it's something that we have talked about before that I think is really a, a cool thing to do, and I do it every year with my bird, is I get a big old uh, baking pan, and I put it under the grill grates, and I fill that baking pan. I take a lot of the trimmings off the skin from the both cavities, the front and the rear cavity, a lot of flapping skin there. Take the tips of the wings off, throw it in there. Take the neck out, the gizzard, everything except the liver goes in this pan. Um, I throw some celery, some, um, some carrots, um, some apple. Um, uh, you can put um, uh, chicken stock or wine or water in there. But basically, I build a stock <laughs> underneath the bird. And as the bird cooks, you get a turkey stock and the drippings, which are smoky, get down in there. And then when the temperature of the bird is getting close to done, when it gets down to around 150 or so, I'll pull that baby out, strain it, put it in a, a, a stock pot, taste it. And if it's a little bit weak, cook it down. If it needs salt at the end, you salt it. So you can adjust it and you come out with the most incredible juice, um, which I don't add flour to. I don't make a roux or anything like that because if you drizzle this on the bird, it'll soak into the meat. It won't sit on the surface. It'll soak in. And it's just wonderful. And I almost always end up with a quart or more of this. We never use more than a pint of it, which means the next day I can just warm it and drink it from a coffee cup. It's just the most marvelous stock. <laughs> Um, Absolutely. Two quick things as we're running out of time. I've talked to some fairly reputable turkey cooks, and they've mentioned icing the breasts down 20, 30 minutes prior to going in to get them even lower in temperature because you know you're going to have to take dark meat up higher in temperature mm -hmm. finish-wise. Do you believe in that? Does that work? Yeah, it works. It works. I mean, I've seen people put ice packs on there and uh, chilling down the breast and leaving the legs at a warmer temp. But again, I think, you know, if if you have to serve a Norman Rockwell bird, I guess that makes some sense. Mm. Um, otherwise, uh, break it down. I mean, the same thing goes for whole hog. Cooking a whole animal, you're flirting with disaster. You're going to cook a whole hog. 
what's the right cooking temperature for uh, turkey tenderloin? Uh, Come on. Turkey tenderloin? Not turkey. I'm sorry. Excuse me. Um, uh, pork tenderloin. I finished mine at 135. That's right. And and the loin are about the same temperature. Yeah. How about the shoulders and the legs? Yeah, you're 200. Yeah. How are you going to cook a whole animal and get the tenderloin, the loin, the leg, and the shoulder all done properly? You can't. You can't. I mean, a whole hog is really cool and ceremonial and beautiful, but it's really tricky to get the different muscles cooked to optimum yeah. temperature. Same is true with chicken and turkey. Um, if you can get past the desire of your audience to see the Norman Rockwell bird, break it down. Cook those legs and the breast separately. That is breaking news right here on the Barbecue Central Show for the first time ever for Meathead. If you have any other questions as you build into the holiday, AmazingRibs.com is the website, of course, stock full of information. Or if you want to take it to the next level, join the Pitmasters Club, and you can also converse with all the other cooks in there, as well as other expert opinion and technique, too. You can find Meathead right here on the second Tuesday of every month, 14 past the first hour. Meathead, always appreciate the time. Have a great Thanksgiving, and we will see you as we build into the close of 2022. Take care, Greg, and Centralites, and have a happy Turkey Day, everybody. There he is. Meathead right there. Yes, sir. Breaking your Thanksgiving down as he should, and he does every year. And breaking news. A lot of breaking. Breaking news. Break down the bird. Haven't heard that one before. I don't know a lot of folks that would even think about doing that, but it makes perfect sense. Or do what I said. Rip the skin off of it and make a big turkey skin crisp. Now that sounds delicious. A little salt. Yummer. Robert Moss is ready to go. I'll talk to you about Green Mountain Grills before we get to him. Some of the best pellet cookers out there on the market today. You have a couple different lines to choose from. A choice line. And the Prime line, if you're somebody that likes a little bit more of a robust build on the chassis, you like all the bells and whistles, Prime line is the one you want to take a look at. If you'd like to save some money, maybe you're a little bit more of a frugal spender, but you know you want a pellet cooker, and you know you want something that's better than the entry-level cooker, Choice Line is the one you're going to want to take a look at. These are only sold through dealers, so find a dealer near you. Locate one by going to GreenMountainGrills.com. Find the dealer that's nearest to you and then stop by, get educated by the dealer, and then pick the one that best fits your needs. You can get a whole bunch of other accessories either at the dealer or online at GreenMountainGrills.com. And you can get the pizza oven accessory. Yes, that's what you want because not only do you love barbecue food and grilling food, you love high heat pizza. It's a fad that just hasn't lost traction. So that fits in both the Prime and the Choice line, but make sure you go see them, touch them, and feel them in person at your dealer, GreenMountainGrills.com. That's GreenMountainGrills.com. We're back with Robert Moss right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Howard Stern, Jim Rome, Dan Patrick, and Greg Rampey. The Mountain Rushmore of talk show entertainment. Now, let's get back to the Barbecue Central Show. And we thank Meathead for joining us last segment. This portion brought to you by Fireboard 2. Monitor up to six different temperatures simultaneously. Connect to Wi-Fi for cloud-based monitoring. Or connect via Bluetooth 
If you have Alexa or the Google Assistant in your home, you're locked Fireboard, fully integrated with both. Find out more by visiting fireboard.com or call 816-945-2232. My next guest, the contributing barbecue editor for Southern Living Magazine, an accomplished author and a restaurant critic. We race to the hotline and welcome back friend of the show, Robert Moss. Hey, Robert. Hey, Greg. How's it going? I'm doing fabulous. Appreciate you making time as always. Now, look, I've put an APB out for this thing called the Q Sheet, but I fear it's somewhere never to be found again. Are we making it official and retiring it from the show this evening? Uh, I don't want to commit to that much. It may come back from the retirement, but it's definitely on a, a long vacation. It's very, on a hiatus, as they say in the entertainment industry. A, a hiatus, yes. for sure, yes. All right, so... Uh, next weekend is it, Robert, or week and a half. The Holy Smokes Barbecue Festival is coming, locked and loaded. Any last-minute adjustments or late-breaking news to tell us about as we lead it? Not, not any real late-breaking news. I did actually go out yesterday with the entire organizing crew. We did a walkthrough of the space at uh, Riverfront Park in North Charleston, a beautiful location looking over um, the Cooper River uh, in, in North Charleston, and got really excited about it. I, I mean, everything's coming together finally yeah we're uh you know there's lots of little falling you know little pieces that fall together at the last moment but it's looking good we're knocking on wood the weather's going to be good uh but it should be a, a really good weekend how many other people are involved in putting this together uh it's let's just say we did a walk through there must have been two dozen people out there at oh. least you know we we have uh you know uh the the guys from uh uh, from uh, from Home Tea Barbecue here in Charleston, Aaron and uh, and and Taylor, as well as Anthony DiBernardo from Swing and Swine, are sort of the organizers. But their restaurant crews are all out there. We have some event planners, so it's it's quite a production. And we had all our sound guys and the stage people, and everything, everybody else. So it was it was a pretty good crowd. And with volunteers and everything, there'll be well over two hundred people out there, wow. you know, just helping stage the whole thing. Sell out. Uh, not quite yet. We are tracking towards selling out. We're, we're looking at the numbers, but you know, last year we sold out four days before the actual event. We're tracking to maybe sell out about the same time, maybe you know, just the day uh, the day before. But we're we're looking to sell out this year and getting very close. So, who are you most looking forward to seeing and then eating, or is it potentially one and the same? Um. Well, I'm always looking forward to seeing the the the, the guys we had out, out out last year. Um, you know, it's it's a good crowd. It's always great to get together and hang out with everybody. But I'm particularly excited this year. We have a a couple of new pitmasters and barbecue folks joining us. We have the 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 folks from ZZQ in Richmond, Virginia. In fact, there are several restaurants or uh, representatives of restaurants who are coming who I've not eaten at before, including ZZQ in Richmond. I've I, I need to just need to get up there. We have uh, Andrew and Michelle Munoz from Moose Barbecue in Los Angeles wow. uh, coming out, which I'm pretty excited about. And actually, interesting enough, both ZZQ, which is in Virginia, and Moose Barbecue in Los Angeles will be in the Texas Village uh, because they are cooking Texas style barbecue. They they are traditional, you know, Holy Trinity, uh, you know, or Texas Trinity brisket ribs and sausage. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to. Um, to see what they're going to do. And then in particular, Leslie Rourke from Udon's barbecue down in Yazoo, 
uh, Yazoo City, Mississippi, uh, where I've not been yet. So, so you know, ideally I like to go to them, but in this case, I got three folks coming to uh, coming to me. So I'm very you know, looking very forward to both eating their their food and also getting to you know chat with them and get to know them. Ubon's known also for their Bloody Mary mix to a high level. Yes, so I uh, don't believe in Bloody Marys at all, so <laughs> it's lost on me. But evidently, their sauce is really great. I, I've heard that. I am with you. I am not a Bloody Mary fan. And I think the, the ultimate problem is I, I'm not a big fan of tomato juice. So regardless of what you do to it, uh, yeah, you sort of starting off on a bad foot for me. So this past weekend, as I had mentioned in the open of the show, you were out in Lockhart, Texas. They had the big Texas monthly barbecue festival. So somebody that is putting on a barbecue festival such as yourself, when you go down and just kind of take it, we don't have to dig into the minutia of it, but how do you see that event itself and what are some of the top takeaways as you're taking part yeah i think the the, the locker event is really interesting this year for for a couple of different reasons um first is that texas monthly was bringing it to Lockhart, so they're they're actually taking the uh sort of the texas celebration to a, a town that is now sort of really putting a lot of marketing muscle behind being the uh, barbecue capital of Texas. In fact, as you walk around the square in downtown Lockhart, there are some brand new murals that were point, uh, painted just for this festival, declaring the barbecue capital of Texas. So I think Lockhart is really trying to sort of throw it, you know, you know throw the gauntlet down and say, uh, yeah, okay, Austin, Dallas, you got all these craft barbecue places, but we've been doing this for a hundred years. So I think there's a really interesting dynamic going on there. There's a lot of new op- uh, barbecue places opening up in Lockhart as well, or not a lot, but a couple. Uh, there was always three classic ones. Now Terry Black's has just opened up a more of a pure craft barbecue. You may have heard some of the little oh, bit of friction the there with scuttlebutt uh, going <laughs> yes. on amongst the families. I mean, talk about a weird spot. Lockhart now has some of the most rivaled family feuds going on in barbecue history yeah it's it's like the hatfield and mccoy's of of barbecue so you you had uh smitty's and kreitz which are all the same family sort of related uh had a big feud and they split and now you got the black families you know with, with a feud going on as well i can't really you almost need a chart to map it all out so there's a lot of interesting stuff going on there but um yeah, so that that was interesting. But the the um the Saturday event they did this World Fair of Barbecue, which was downtown in Lockhart, which is I really love because if you've ever been there, there's this beautiful sort of Victorian era courthouse in the center, and everything was just built around it, and it was a, it was a great time to just wander around. Lots of uh, different you know uh, vendors selling barbecue and lots of different activities and things going on. So I thought it was a, it was a it was a really good event and really become you know helping put I think you know, helping Lockhart, you know, put his, it put its, uh, its stake in the ground and really make a claim as the barbecue capital. Did you hear any scuttlebutt about them not having any of the top 50 being there, like, and also being in Lockhart? I heard nothing while I was there. Now, I know, I think we talked about this before, that when, when Texas probably had to go before the town council to, like, get all the permits and everything, they, they sort of got an earful about how come nobody in Lockhart was, uh, was, uh, in the top 50 and they sort of took their licks, but then Lockhart gave them the permits. I think everybody, that was that water under the bridge. And I think it's, uh, it's, it's moving forward. Outside of the event itself, do you do any personal barbecue pilgrimages or anything like this? Yes, I did. So I, I, I found myself being, you know, the, the event in Lockhart didn't start until noon on Saturday. And so I said, well, okay, I'm going all the way to Central Texas. I might as well take a little advantage of it. So I flew in Thursday night, 
got up way, way too early and, and uh, drove into downtown Austin and stood in line at Franklin Barbecue uh, and, and ate at Franklin again. What time uh, do you get there? On, on, I got there. It was still, it was just getting light. I think it was about 745. This is before oh, the time change. So that's late. Uh <laughs> <laughs> and they open it. Yeah, well, they open at eleven, so you know, if you def- define late, I was about twenty-five in line when I got there. So you know, not too bad. It, yeah, it's a line dynamic. You, you, if you're, you'll be the earliest people there. It's sort of that first wave. And after I got there at seven forty-five, for the next hour, maybe four or five people wandered up. And then you get sort of that middle wave. He says, we'll get there an hour in advance. So they around ten o'clock, lots more people came in. And then you've got the folks who just sort of look at i guess and say they open at 11 so we'll show up at 11 <laughs> and they're like way down way down the block so um so i did the whole the whole line sitting thing maybe for the last time for franklin i'm not sure it's uh it, it was a long wait uh but i did all that and the next day saturday i had nothing else to do because i had till noon to get to to lockhart so i drove out to lexington texas to snow's barbecue which has long been one of my favorite barbecue experiences <laughs> i got there it was still dark uh, and it was probably about six forty-five when I got there. And now they open at eight yeah. through for a convoluted <laughs> series of reasons. And I was stunned. The, the last time I went to to, uh, to Snows, I got there about the same time, and I was you know maybe thirty back in line. I was at least I, actually I know I was one hundred and fifty-four. I think because they go down the line and they count. Uh, at some point during during the wait, because they're going to do the raffles and stuff to keep people interested. So I was in the 150s. So you know the line is just in the past couple of years just just you know exploded and it's super long now. What number do you have to be to where you're starting to crap your drawers that you might get shut out, or does that not happen? Uh, definitely uh, not. Well, uh, definitely not 154. I think it's much it's much longer. I think that they they have a lot of, a lot of food, so I think you got to be way up in the 200s. When I left, you know, they opened at eight. I think I was sitting down to eat barbecue about 11:15. So that's how long the, the the wait is for you know, to just to get through the line. <laughs> and there was still a pretty good line of you know 50 or 100 people. And they hadn't come and told them yet. Now, at Franklin, they go down the line. They actually ask you for your, your order, and they'll tally it up, and they'll tell people at a certain point that where you're standing, you're likely to be out of brisket or you're likely to be out of ribs. And so they give you that little heads up so that if you get there at 1030, you can you can duck out if you know, you're going to really, really be upset if there's no brisket left. So you get your ticket and then or order. They take it up to the thing and when you just show up they magically have them no in, it's in not really technically it's sort of an honor system they just want to say what are you going to get and you and uh-huh. so they're just sort of tallying up roughly that like you know i was there by myself so i wasn't like getting eight pounds of brisket but some people are getting it to go and so they'll say yeah i'm getting four pounds of brisket and eight sausages or whatever so they're sort of tallying up just to try to get a sense of how far down the line are you going to be when mm-hmm. you start to run out but by the time uh, since i was there so early you know by the time i left i think there was still plenty left so I love to ask this question to folks that voluntarily wait in these lines because I would love to go to these places, but I just can't see waiting in a three and a half hour, four hour line or getting there that early. And I've often said I would love to, I would love to go there. And as it opens, as people start to funnel out, have a recorder and say, "What did you think? Was it worth the wait?" And I guarantee yeah. you. A hundred percent of the people would say yes. And I go, well, is it because you just wasted half the day uh, waiting in line? And if you said 
it was okay or no, you know what, it, it missed expectation. You'd be you'd feel like a fool. So I wonder if any of his look. I'm not saying that Aaron Franklin's food isn't superior by all accounts. It's superior, but there could be some personal built-in uh, bias going. Well, there's no I I can't not say it's good because of all this time I've invested. Yeah, it's the the thing that really struck me this time because I did um, a similar sort of line waiting experience a couple of years ago. You know, it was, it was pre-COVID. It has it has changed, and it's sort of like the definition of celebrity. You're famous for for the purpose, you know, or for the sake solely of being famous. And yes, the barbecue's great, but that's not why people are there. They're there because they heard when you're in Austin, this is what you have to do. Mm. Yeah, I was in line in in uh, in Lexington, Texas, at, at Snows with people who had flown in from Minneapolis, Minnesota, to you know, for a barbecue weekend. You know, they had come all the way there just to do this sort of sort of pilgrimage thing. And what's really struck me this time, that it was not the case last time. When you walk in the front door of, of Franklin, after you wait in line all the time, you finally get in the front door. There's sort of this little alley that takes you around to the counter. Right here, there's a big turquoise uh, PK grill, the, the Franklin PK grill. There's T-shirts, there's cups, there's koozies, there's cutting boards, there's slicing knives. There's a whole merch wall huh. along the, the side. Last time I was there, they had a Porter John in the back. And a little coffee stand. So if you wanted to, you know, to, to go to the bathroom or get some coffee before eleven, you could go around the corner to the to the back and, and do that. Nine thirty, they open the doors up to the restaurant. Now you can go use the restroom, but you can also go buy merch. And so everybody's lining up and coming out with bags of of merchandise. You can also at nine thirty you start buying beer, which a lot of people who didn't plan ahead bring a cooler start doing uh, as as well. Mm. So you have that going on. Same things at Snows. Snows added a building. Uh, and I'm not sure exactly how long ago it was, but just within the last year or two. Uh, originally, it was going to be just bathrooms, but they decided to put a little merch stand in the front. And now people get there. Uh, the you know they they show up. Uh, they they go by. They're buying sweatshirts. They're buying t-shirts. They're buying hats. They're buying everything else. So it's almost like I would say an amusement park of barbecue. So people aren't there just to go eat something. They're there for the experience. They're there. Like you go to Disney World to buy the mouse ears and everything else. It's it's really become like almost this attraction in the, in and of itself. And uh, I I gotta say the barbecue with snows was as fantastic as always. Mm-hmm. Maybe worth waiting three hours for. I'm not sure, but I think the vast majority of people are there are, are there for a different reason. What are they there for? To say they went there to take pictures with Tootsie to you know to to buy the merch is like why do you why do you go to Disney World why do you go to the you know the Grand Canyon and and then take your your selfies is she as accessible as she might appear to be Tootsie uh, absolutely and actually the difference um, since the last time I was there she's getting you know she's in her mid eighties now so yeah, she's yeah. sort of getting up there in years the last time I was there I was sort of amazed that the whole time. She was either you know, when I showed up waiting in line. She's shoveling coals. She she was working the pits, and and then she was stopping every now and again to talk to people. But then, you know, she was washing dishes. She was she was working the whole time. This time, she's slowing down a little bit, and I think she more sp- spends more time actually now talking to people. She's sitting down at tables, taking pictures and stuff like that. Hmm. So she's you know rightfully so become the the face of the of the organization. And so people want to get pictures with her. So she's almost. I think Clay, who's the sort of the assistant pitmaster, does you know sort of runs the show. She helps a little bit, but she's largely there, almost as like now the the figurehead, if you will, uh, the the, rep, the representation of Snows and and you know you know all power to her. She certainly earned it. Is Aaron Franklin accessible? Do you see him when you're there? 
he was not there as far as I saw. Uh, not sure what he's up to. He's got a lot, a lot of stuff going on. Is that on. a bummer? Um, like if you go to, if you're going to wait in that line, do you want to at least get a peek and maybe say, Hey, uh, by you, if you mean me specifically, not necessarily, I don't really expect him to be there. I think a lot of other people do. I heard yeah. that being asked. You think Aaron Frank will be here or, you know, when will it come out, et cetera. But yeah, he's got a lot going, a lot of other uh, irons in the fire, if you will. I doubt he's there every day. He's certainly not. Uh, I've never seen him at the restaurant itself, just sort of on a regular day. You know, not to say he's not there really some days, but but he was he was certainly not there uh, the Friday I was there. Hmm. Um, so we have the big barbecue event coming up. Anything else uh, you want to promote or lead us into here before I let you go tonight? Uh, oh, by the way, I meant to ask you. What's a traditional Southern Thanksgiving look like? Ah, that's a that's a long story. Um, <laughs> how how far back do you want to get? <laughs> I mean, mostly the traditional Southern Thanksgiving. We we sort of put our mark on it when we started deep frying turkeys, which really happened down in in Louisiana and uh, in, in burning down garages and in, in the process. So that's sort of our <laughs> our tradition. Uh, Thanksgiving actually was not a Southern holiday. It was really something that was embedded in the Northeast. And in fact, uh, I've read a whole bunch about the Southern Thanksgivings. It sort of started to take off just before the Civil War, but then it was looked at as this Yankee holiday, an abolitionist holiday, and it was frowned on by most, uh, at least white Southerners, straight through until the, the 20th century. So there's not as much longer of a Thanksgiving tradition in the South. Uh, until we got to deep frying turkeys in the probably the I think 1980s 1990s. Are there specific? So is it mostly deep fried turkeys and then specific side dishes? No, I mean by and large the South just has adopted wholesale the the, the American Thanksgiving tradition. And so it's it's um you know it's 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 turkey, it's dressing, it's it's cranberry sauce, etc. Um, no, nothing specific. I mean, you'll have some of the pimento cheese or whatever the the things you bring to any family gathering, but but it's it's by and large, I I would say identity uh, a, a holiday that does not have a distinct Southern identity uh, mm. necessarily. Do you have a favorite way to cook a turkey? Or are you a turkey fan? Uh, hmm. I Ooh. like turkey in general. Uh, I think uh, going back to meathead, I think a turkey is a hard bird to cook, uh, particularly modern turkeys, which have you know been bred to have these gigantic you know white breast meat, and uh, you know that they're outsized, and it's it's really hard to get any of the pieces together. Um, I'm usually a fan of not trying to slow smoke things. I would if I was a turkey, I would do like I think meathead said it, uh, spatchcock it. I would do it uh, hot and fast. You know, do it at about probably a 400 degrees the same way I, I would do a chicken and then and take it that way you know try to flatten it out and get it as flat as possible and, and go there uh i happen to think skin turkey skin is great when it's crisped up so you know don't you know don't take the skin off or anything else leave it on there but do it at high heat if you try to smoke turkey at 225 mm. you have rubbery skin it's just not it's just not good robert moss joining us here on the show robertfmoss.com his website if you'd like to check it out and you find him here on the second Tuesday in the second interview segment in the first hour. Robert, always appreciate the time. Have a great Thanksgiving, and we'll see you in December. All right. Thanks, Greg. Talk to you soon. RobertFMoss.com, his website, once again, if you would like to check it out. Probably get links to the books he's written, which are quite a number of them, and they're all very great reads. And I just learned something right at the end. 
Thanksgiving not really a mainstay festival or, or fest holiday like it has been for us that have been pitted in the north for most of our lives. An abolitionist holiday. Yeah, that's what we're going to call it from now on. Welcome to Thanksgiving, the abolitionist's holiday. Thank you. Thank you for coming. I was going to ask him about blue plate mayo, but he, as a professed Duke's mayo lover, and that's coming out of left field, but if you listen to the Hot Barbecue Right podcast, and if you listen to my segment with Malcolm Reed last week, um, they just came on as a sponsor for their How to Barbecue Right podcast, Blue Plate Mayo. So I was going to see if he was able to compare and contrast Duke's and Blue Plate, since both of those are technically Southern mayos. Which one's better? But maybe in December, we'll figure it out. Ask him what the best mayo is and then what the best gifts for the impending holidays are going to be. So once again, robertfmoss.com, his website. We will take a quick break and wrap the first hour up. Stick around. We'll be right back. Continuing to produce incredibly mediocre content in an exceptionally professional way. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Craig Rampey. And a lot of you writing in through emails and direct messages that you appreciated. Show legend and barbecue guest Hall of Famer Tim McKeska for weighing in with the latest breaking turkey information. Although I have to say, I've been to Giant Eagle, which is our local grocery store chain. I've been to BJ's Wholesale Club, which if you don't know what that is, it would be akin to a Sam's or a Costco. I haven't seen any shortage of turkeys whatsoever. They're wholly available. I haven't seen any of the huge ones. But then again, I'm not ever looking for a 20-pound turkey or or anything. Uh, I'll do two 12-pounders. 15 pounds or less if you can find them sometimes you get pigeonholed into only getting you know x pound of bird depending on what purveyor you're at and i'm certainly not looking at any of the heritage breed turkeys i meant to ask meathead in his segment about fresh and frozen turkeys but maybe we'll do that next thanksgiving in 2023 we are looking to head into the second hour here. So, as I say each and every week, refresh libations, get situated, tell all your friends and neighbors the show is coming on because we're going to be talking about flip grills and watches, my two favorite things ever on the face of the earth. You're listening and watching Barbecue Central Show right here on the Barbecue Central Network. Stick around. We'll be right back. <laughs> 